0: Welcome to Difference Makers, where we bring you profound and enlightening conversations with remarkable people who make a difference through innovative and inspiring charity work. On this podcast, you'll hear the incredible stories of real-life Difference Makers, learn about the worthy causes and charities they support, and discover how charity work changes lives for the better
1: hopefully with our foundation and others and companies and whomever else that is willing to just fight and fight and provide funding for research. Hopefully we can find treatments for our kids and cures for our kids and kids can actually live a childhood.
0: I'm Aldis Harris. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Rachel Houston, president and founder of the Taylor Ann Foundation, who's making a difference by spreading Taylor's light and love while raising funds for pediatric cancer research. Well, thank you, Rachel, for joining us tonight on Difference Makers. So excited to hear more about the fantastic work that you and your family are doing through the Taylor Ann Foundation. So if we could, why don't we get started? You can tell us a bit about the charity and the good work that you all are doing for pediatric cancer research.
1: Well, thank you so much, Al, for having us on here. So we started the Taylor Ann Foundation in the spring of 2023, so just about six months ago. We are a 501c3 nonprofit based in the U.S., and we started to honor and spread the light of our daughter, Taylor Ann, while raising awareness and funding for pediatric cancer research.
0: So the work you're doing is specifically focused on pediatric cancer research. So you can kind of tell us a little bit about how you go about raising funds and then also how you choose the research studies or or programs that you're funding. Yes, yeah, a great question.
1: So, Taylor Rand was diagnosed in June of 2021 and that's when our world was just completely shattered. But we got headfirst into the pediatric cancer field and my background happens to be in healthcare. That's what I've done for my whole career. So, I have a unique background in that. I've I've worked in healthcare, I've worked in health insurance and I still just saw not only is it tragic to watch pediatric oncology affect so many kids, but seeing how little funding goes towards pediatric cancer research. So in the U.S., um, even though cancer is the leading cause of death for children by disease, pediatric cancer only receives about 4% of all the government funding set aside for cancer research. So that 4% is to cover all the different types of cancers that children can face, from brain tumors to sarcomas to leukemia to lymphomas, you name it. That 4% is supposed to cover all of those. Um, and it's not nearly enough. And we also just don't have basic funding to come up with treatments to find cures. We don't have enough research to know long-term effects. If children are able to survive their cancer diagnosis, then what? What are you know the long-term side effects? The research shows that I think it's 95% of children that survive cancer will face other comorbidities and medical complications by the time they reach 45. So just so much needs to be done. Like every patient needs an advocate. Of course, when any parent gets that diagnosis, you full on go into fighting mode and you will do anything and everything for your child to give them the best life, to give them the best outcomes. And for us, we were told with Taylor's diagnosis, one of the first doctors we encountered actually told us to just go home and enjoy what little time we had left with our daughter and our daughter was you know, the ballerina, the sprinter, she could outrun me in the mile. Uh, She's super smart, super sweet and sensitive. And you just, we would look at her and we're like, You're, that, that can't be right. And we talked to other oncologists throughout the nation and we we're told, you know, less than 20% of kids that had Taylor's type of diagnosis actually seek clinical trial. Um, and I found that just to be very alarming of why not, but then you, you get into the the pediatric cancer world and you you see how many obstacles not only the kids face but their families for clinical trials for example it's usually on the parents to not only find a clinical trial to find an opening to then send all the medical information coordinate all that the whatever facility is doing the clinical trial to get all the records and then it's up to the family to figure out transportation how to get their child there their family there what's that look like And not only that, but then you got to cover the financial aspects of it. Um, Insurance might cover some of the treatments, but it doesn't cover most of the travel or anything like that. So it's just overwhelming as a family member, as a caregiver, when you're fighting for your child's life to then have to think through and make all these decisions, let alone tackle the big boulder, the big mountain of more needs to be done for our kids. So with pediatric cancer, we got thrust into the world. Our daughter passed away at the age of seven in August of 2022, and I knew that I wanted to honor her, honor her light. Like I said, she was just one remarkable child, and seeing how she's affected lives across the nation, across the world, people that didn't even know her are hearing her story. So that's the first reason why we're doing this, is just to honor her and spread her light and her kindness, but also to raise the much-needed money for pediatric cancer research. Um, When I talk to various oncologists, hearing the obstacles that they face, because they're trying everything they can as well to save the kids' lives, to give them the best outcomes, but they face obstacles too. And funding is just a huge part of it. And in order to run clinical trials, you need the funding. And with 4%, you know, from the government, that's not going to cover nearly enough for our kids. So they rely on outside foundations such as ours. Financial contributions from individuals, such as families, that rely heavily upon that to do their research. So it's up to, sadly, a lot of families and friends of those affected by pediatric cancer research to raise these money, those money to make a difference in the world of pediatric oncology, to set up these clinical trials. As far as finding the right clinical trial, it varies. So for us, when we got our daughter's diagnosis, they basically sat us down and referred to a website called clinicaltrials.gov. And it's a website set up by the government that has all the clinical trials. And so you have to narrow it down by um, your child's diagnosis, and then are they accepting patients? And it can get so overwhelming and not to even tap into like all the medical terminology of, you know, going through whether or not your child would qualify. So seeing all that and knowing how overwhelming it was, even for myself that had the medical background, I could only imagine what parents with not the background that I have, what what they face. And they shouldn't have to face that. What they should be focused on is their child and their family and that alone. Um, so for myself, uh, I find great purpose in trying to help out and doing our part. Uh, so researchers can spend their time researching. So doctors can spend their time getting the treatments to the kids rather than having to go out there and do the fundraising, find the money, find the resources to do what they need to do to get their job
0: done. I would never have imagined how difficult it would be to navigate the process. So are there people there to help them, assist them? Is it, or is it really just relying on the parents of the children to navigate this process?
1: So it's a little bit of both. Um, We are lucky that we live next to a medical hospital system that has a well-respected pediatric oncology program, and we are 20, 30 minutes away. I know families that drove four or five hours one way to get there, but just the hoops to even get into that system takes a while. And then once you're in, they do have nurse navigators and social workers that can help families and assist them. And there are other tremendous organizations out there that help with you know, transportation, for example. Uh, we are very blessed to get an organization that helped us get flights up to New York City for a clinical trial and back.
0: Oh, That's wonderful.
1: So there are great organizations out there, but with cancer, especially in pediatrics, time is of the essence. You don't have much time to sit around and wait for a phone call or coordinate care because you don't have that time, per se, for a lot of cancers. So... It's, it's a combination of both. There are definitely people there to help, but you can imagine in a hospital system that has a nurse navigator to help with all the kids and all the families, and they have families coming from all over to their institutions, it, it's challenging. And, you know, they're having to look at how, how do we do this? There's just so much that goes into it. Finding out what's best for not only your child, but also your family, knowing that some clinical trials might be on the opposite coast and, you know, having to make those decisions. Do we divide up the family? What do we do? and it's just heavy decisions on top of heavy decisions so there are people out there to help it's not solely on the family but i would say at least from our experience i think having having the background having people in our corner that also were in the medical field and you know worked in various institutions across the country helped us get into different places maybe a little bit faster just because we knew what to say we knew who to contact we you know were ready with all of our records ready to go and we came from a good hospital system that was able to translate those records pretty quickly over to other major medical facilities. Sadly, that's not the case for a lot of kids that might not live close to one of the hubs for pediatric oncology. I've seen it firsthand families that have had to relocate you know, just to pursue treatments for their child and making those decisions of, do we move the whole family? Do we you know, just split our family for a little bit while we're doing this? And It's just unfathomable decisions that families have to make.
0: Not only are you dealing with this tremendously challenging situation, but even getting to the place to be able to make the decisions, like becoming informed and navigating the processes is, I guess, part of it is educating yourself. So- Did you have other, um, it sounds like you did at some point, your family was connected with a couple of other nonprofits or charities who helped with transportation and maybe some other things. Are there any resources out there or is this a space your foundation is trying to fill with regard to sharing the knowledge base that you've gathered?
1: Absolutely. We rely heavily upon other nonprofits. The first one that comes to mind is one that's getting more uh, more well-known within the U.S., and that's Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. And they have provided great resources to families. They have funding set up to help out families, but also to connect you with other organizations to help with the travel or you know, even housing costs if there's not that available where the clinical trial is, we relied heavily upon them, and they're a tremendous organization as well. Our foundation in particular is going to be geared more towards the research aspect of it. I know for us, every time we were at a different facility, the social worker or nurse navigator always had a list of resources for families um, that you could reach out, whether it was to cover or help cover costs of flights or even just booking the flights for you. Or housing, again, that gets a little tricky, especially in the time of COVID. For us, we also had a newborn right after Taylor's diagnosis and just trying to coordinate all of that because in the time of COVID, siblings weren't allowed in a lot of the, like the Ronald McDonald houses that you see. So trying to find housing for the whole family and not have to be split up as much as possible. Uh, There are definitely resources out there for that to help the various family and family dynamics. But I think also knowing, having worked on the insurance side for us, I knew that our insurance happened to cover some um, benefits for families to help cover the cost of travel to the various clinical trials, but they don't necessarily disclose that. Um, I just happened to know that benefit was included in what we were paying for the health insurance. So I was able to tap into that. And I know when I've talked to several other families, they had no clue that that could even be an option. And I know it's not an option for every health insurance company out there, but you know it is something that is there that I don't think people realize. So I think there's a lot of more, I guess there's more resources that are undertapped or not tapped into by families. But again, when you're just thinking about how many decisions they're having to make, you put certain things on the back burner of we'll figure it out later. You know, right now we are just, we're just surviving. We're trying to get our kid the best care possible. So you you just do whatever you have to do. Uh, you're in that survival mode and we'll think and figure out the rest later kind of mode. So at least that was our family's mindset. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a lot of pediatric cancer family mindset of we will just fight and fight and fight. And then we'll fill in the gaps or do what we have to do or figure out the resources to help cover whatever it might be on the back end.
0: So through your work, you are, because you went through this experience, your family went through this experience and you've learned so much, you're taking the memory of your daughter and really using it in a beautiful way. And, and I just want to commend you and thank you for what you're doing to share that love and that light with the world. And that is the thing that it has, we often kind of talk about like a ripple effect. It has an impact beyond what we can possibly even imagine, because people hear about the work you're doing and that they're inspired by it. And so when you are, when you and your family are doing different events, and we'll talk about that in a bit about fundraisers and events and the things you're doing to help raise awareness for research, how do you make that determination on where those funds will be distributed?
1: So our foundation is set up that we have several board members that absolutely none of us get paid. We're all doing this for the love of Taylor and just, we want to make a difference in this world. So we will meet towards the end of this year. And um, we're actually in the process now of gathering research on various research institutions and university and hospital systems that are conducting pediatric cancer research and clinical trials and looking at how they effectively, they use their and efficiently, they use their money. And then what are their outcomes right now? What are, what are they focused on? What results are they seeing? That's another thing in you know any research institution or clinical trials is it often takes years to get the results of a research study. However, when you have doctors and researchers that are in the midst of it all, they're constantly relaying their ideas, what they're finding in real time with each other to help each other out. help the child out at the end of the day. It just might not be publicly released for a few years. So we have, thankfully, we have connections with doctors and researchers that are in the field, still fighting, doing all that they can, and have been willing to give us guidance and insight into what the latest information is and the latest trends. So we're gathering that actually right now and we will all meet together as a board and kind of review each of the uh, research institutions or medical facilities. They're usually correlated with, you know, university or hospital system or something like that, because that's where a lot of the funding goes into. But we're taking a look at all of them and seeing, you know, who who we feel is using whatever funding they are given to the best of their abilities. And so we, as a board, will be looking at that, and we have on our board some in the medical field, some in the financial field, some in the marketing field. So we kind of have a different perspectives to kind of tease through the various aspects. But we also know that wherever the funding goes, we are doing our best to make sure that more funding is going into the research in addition to raising awareness to hopefully generate more funding in the future, whether it's with our foundation or other, pediatric cancer foundations, just raising the awareness that money will be getting to where it needs to go to make a difference and find these treatments and find these
0: cures for the kids. And then how do you guys go about raising the funds? I know you, I, th- I believe you recently had an event.
1: Yeah. So everything we do, uh, we want to do an honor of Taylor. She's our light. She's our inspiration, of course. So we, and we're new, so we are not opposed to any ideas. but We also, what we have come up with so far is fundraisers that we know she would have enjoyed so she as i mentioned before she was she was our runner super fast and just could run like the wind like it was no tomorrow just didn't even phase her Uh, so we we did a 7k in the month of april which is her birthday month so since she was seven when she passed away we we figured let's do a 7k it's a little bit more than that traditional 5k that you know is a stretch for some people um, and that puts people out of their comfort zone but we're like you know what kids are always out of their comfort zone as they're fighting cancer so let's push it a little bit and make it fun uh, 7k and then we have a family fun run and walk the other thing we always take into consideration is knowing we want people to we always want to include everybody no matter where they are physically mentally And their abilities to be able to participate. Oh, that's great. And make a difference. So we've run walk, stroll. Um, When we did the 7K, it was technically virtual, but we, to allow people all across literally the world to participate. But it was so fun to see. There's an assisted living that reached out, and they had a whole group of people in this assisted living get together, and they were doing what they could. You know, it was not a seven-day distance for a lot of them, but just getting out there and taking a few steps for for kids with cancer was huge. So that is one we will continue to do. I think it was just so honoring and fun for us. Our most recent fundraiser we just finished up beginning of this month. Uh, September happens to be Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, so we will always try to do a fundraiser in September. And the focus on this one is really to be creating memories and family friendly. So Taylor also loved to do arts and crafts. And oftentimes when you are confined to a hospital room, there's not much you can do. Um, But the child life specialists get very creative. And I know for Taylor, it was a lot of painting and art that we got to do together and just I have just such great memories, even though it was hard and, you know, in our setting was extremely hard just to see the joy on her face of making a mess with paint, you know, <laughs> using various pains within a hospital room. And so we had what we called the uh, we called it a paint splatter masterpiece. Uh, We set up a paint tent and literally filled up squirt guns with paint, had paint balls, had paint brushes. And, you know, kids of all ages, we had our two year old out there with this little squirt gun of paint (laughs) trying to aim at the canvas to get paint on there Um, to adults, you know, friends, families, people just having fun together and making memories and then being able to take their masterpiece or their canvas home To look back on and be like, that was really fun that we got together as a family and just, you know, the different colors that we chose and the splatter and, you know, some some kids went all out with their finger painting. Mm -hmm. But just to see the joy and families and friends that came together and made memories together, that is something we will always do as well as best we can. That one was not necessarily about raising the most funds. It was about creating memories and, and raising awareness, but allowing families to set aside time to really have fun together and create a memory, which is, it's just huge. Cause I feel like we live in a very busy society that we forget sometimes to just take a step away from all the activities of life and just truly really spend time as a family and do create something together as a family. So it was special and it was so much fun.
0: So hopefully do that one again too. I love the outside of the box thinking. <laughs> They're fun.
1: Yeah. And we have, you know, we've had a few others. As I said, we're a new foundations, So we are not opposed to anybody coming up to us and saying, hey, we have this idea. We have this thought. We were advised when we set up the foundation to not do too many events, to not have burnout. And so <laughs> we've been conscious of that to respect, you know, our our family time as well. So we do choose two, at least two events a year, maybe a few more. But that's that's kind of our thought, and again, to have one that is virtual or open to everybody everywhere, um, and then one that might be you know more localized to a place where Taylor has friends or family um, that allow them to get together, and then you know those that they know to get together. So something quote local, even though that local spot <laughs> changes as well. Um, that that's kind of our mission and our hope.
0: So you are the president and founder. Yes, that's correct. As part of your duties, you are planning and organizing fundraising events. so that alone, and you're saying we didn't want to overdo it, but for one year to have two events and you're already talking you know planning for other things, yeah, you you've already done quite a bit. So what does the rest of the daily duties look like for the president and founder of the foundation?
1: <laughs> Currently, I kind of do it all. Um, <laughs> so when we got Taylor's diagnosis, I actually quit uh, my career, so that freed up in a way a lot of time. Of course, I was taken up by taking care of Taylor, but the foundation is kind of, um, it's my job (laughs) Um, in the day-to-day. So, you know, making sure we're doing things correctly, running by, you know, the IRS guidelines to make sure we're doing everything right, hearing from people and, you know, responding back to people as best that I can, but, you know, just continuing to honor the light of Taylor is kind of a mission. It's, you know, what mom doesn't like to talk about their kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a way that, you know, she's, she's never forgotten and still, still so present in this world and just being able to share her story, even though it is so hard and so difficult. It's one of those that, you know, it, it's a way for me to honor her, but also honor all the other kids that, I don't think people realize um, how many kids are fighting and how many families are fighting um, right now. I think here in the U.S., there's an organization, St. Jude's, that I'm sure everybody sees. You know, everybody knows that one. Sure. But outside that one, there's there's not many. And I've been looking up through this month of September, and it's it's hard. You you go to the grocery store and you you don't see, you know, gold ribbons or you know, part of the proceeds go to childhood cancer research, it doesn't have the exposure Mm -hmm. like October does. It's, you know, already there's pink ribbons up for everything in the mega stores and you see so many major companies provide some support. And so we would love to see that for our kids. We would love to see them recognized of all the sacrifices that they make while they're fighting um, and their families. So it's the day to day can vary from the business side of things and, you know, making sure we're sending out the tax deduction letters to starting the conversations with people that are like have an idea for the next fundraiser to just spreading awareness and still talking to doctors. I still talk to Taylor's medical team. Uh, it's been over a year, but I still talk to them every now and then and stay up to date with kind of what's going on in the research in the cancer field of pediatric cancer, but also talking with other moms or caregivers, you know, trying to be a support as best that I can, but also respect that every kid is on their own unique journey. Um, And you can't compare one kid to the next kid. Cancers are so different in the kids. So it's just raising the awareness and fighting on behalf of those that I say, you know, when we were in the trenches of just honestly getting through every day and trying to find the next treatment or going to the treatments, you don't have time. To raise awareness, you don't have time to raise your voice of this is not okay. You know, it's, it's devastating. Pediatric oncology, you know, childhood cancer is just tragic in and of itself. It's, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Nobody wants to be in this club of parents. You just don't. And you sit in the waiting rooms and you kind of acknowledge one another and you know, the hardships that each one of us is going through, but you have to keep this smile on your face for your kid, you know, and keep their spirits up. So you're so focused on that. That you don't have the time to sit there and take a step back and just be like this, that 4%, that's just, it's not okay. We need more. We need more. We need more companies to step in and say, hey, we see you. We see your child. We want to fight with you. And we're just now starting to see some major companies come behind and do some sponsorships even major sports, uh, major league baseball did a weekend of go gold for the kids. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's great. And, (laughs) you know, as teasing my friends that work in the NFL is like, Hey, y'all want to match it? You know, (laughs) like, let's go step up. Let's step up. Let's raise that awareness. Let's, let's get the college sports out there. Let's go gold for the kids. So it's just, it's going out there and trying to find unique ways. And sometimes it's having that uncomfortable conversation that some people might not want to have, but I think it still needs to be said. You know, we don't, we can't hide behind just kind of looking the other way because there's kids just fighting for their lives right now. There are some that have survived and they are thriving and that is so great to see. And just, just being able to celebrate them and celebrate all that they've been through um, in their few years of life is just, you know, celebrating them as well. So every day is different. Every day is, I just, I say if I can, you know, at least do one random act of kindness. That's we say Taylor, that was Taylor. Taylor always did a random act of kindness almost every single day for somebody, some you know, somewhere. So that's my first goal is to honor her in that way, but then also to just raise awareness so that hopefully with our foundation and others and companies and whomever else that is willing to just fight and fight and provide funding for research, hopefully we can find treatments for our kids and cures for our kids and Kids can actually live a childhood and they can go out there and survive cancer and not have major medical issues from um, treatments or the toxic drugs that they were given to beat the cancer. So our goal is just to be able to, in our lifetime, really to see a difference being made in pediatric cancer and seeing more kids survive and be able to be kids, you know, <laughs> not have to worry about the hospital visits and the constant pokes um, and needles, but just to be able to be a kid and not have to worry as much as they might have to right
0: now. Let your light and love shine, right? I saw that on your website. Yep, that is one <laughs> we're saying. And you are doing that and honoring your daughter and fighting for, fighting for her memory and for these other children, children that you don't even know. And that's why there are certain charities I am so excited to connect with And to help share your story with the world and the story of the good work that you're doing in honor of your daughter, it's because I find it so inspiring. Um, There's a lot to unpack here. And I keep going back and I'm taken by how limited the resources are for the children. It's kind of mind boggling to me. And you really put it in perspective. Every November, you see we go pink everywhere. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I think we should, right? But in September, you really don't see that level of attention. You don't see that level of dedication to helping fight for the children. And it's kind of a head scratcher, quite frankly. I I really don't understand it because we have become in today's society, I think, very good about supporting each other and caring for each other and coming alongside of each other. But I think we this is an area where we're really deficient, and we need it. We can and we need to do better.
1: I completely agree, and I I think it starts with a lack of awareness. Even being in the medical field and having lost a friend when I was in seventh grade to cancer, I still didn't realize how many lives it it truly affects. And here in the U.S., I mean, every day forty seven kids are diagnosed with cancer. Every day. That's huge, and. In the in the world, four hundred thousand will be diagnosed every year. That's a new kid. You know, each year approximately one thousand eight hundred kids will pass away from cancer. And these are numbers that I had no idea until we got thrown in to the world of pediatric oncology. And you're right, it's it's not something that's talked about. You know, I even think of, I think of adults and we think of, you know, major diseases that kill adults and you have the cardiovascular, but how much we go red, you know, in February, we, we promote, you know, commercial after commercial for checkups. And there are so many pharmaceutical companies out there, you know, to try to decrease that number for adults. And it's like, but what about the kids? Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease in children. And, you know, where is everybody on this? And I remember talking to an oncologist and it caught me so off guard. But I I raised that point of like, you know, we, you can't really go through a show, say on an NFL football game where where they don't talk about some medication to help with some kind of adult thing, but we don't see anything for kids. So true. Their response back was sadly, pharmaceuticals have told pediatric oncology world, it's not profitable for them. And it made my jaw drop of like a kid's life is not profitable. Like that is, that's our mindset. You know, it's just unfathomable. To even think—that's in some mindsets. And I've been told by other people, even when we started our foundation, I I had a few people come up to me and just, you know, were hesitant to support it, and that they—they just thought, you know, Rachel, you could raise your voice and tell Taylor's story and join forces with another organization, and—and we could. And there are tons of families that do. And I'm not saying that's not right. I think it's—it's going to take every voice to come together. Um, for us, we wanted to have a foundation set aside to honor our daughter and her story. But it, it made me think, too, that, well, if we aren't raising our voice, what what makes a bigger company look at us and think, okay, well, we don't hear anything from the parents, from the kids. Like, we're not hearing that this is a big deal, so why should we invest or donate you know, large sums of money to this cause if this voice is not being heard, so I think that's also part of it. Is we just haven't heard the voices, and and I think a lot of it, you know, is again, the kids and the families—they're they're just fighting for their life. They don't have time to tell their story or get out there and you know raise their voice in the moment. Hopefully, we know if they survive, and when they survive, they will. Uh, but they, they just don't have the time and the resources at that moment, so. It gets masked, I think, in a lot of ways. So I'm just hoping to be one voice and to tell somebody else to be another voice, you know, and just seeing the trickle effect, as you've mentioned, of just raising our voices together. And this is very real. It's it's going to affect kids. It's going to affect it's going to affect some kid that you know. If you have a child, you look around at their their class, between their class and maybe the programs, the sports that they're in, somebody's going to be affected that they know statistically. So why aren't we doing more? I asked that question, but then I'm like, well, I got to do my part. (laughs) So (laughs) that's why I'm I'm here, you know, and I appreciate you um, giving us this time too to just raise the awareness and honor our daughter, but just keep fighting for all the warriors out there.
0: So to that point I saw on your website, it says, while more than 200 cancer drugs have been developed and approved for adults, the FDA through 2021 has approved a total of 35 drugs, use in the treatment of childhood cancer, 35. And then it goes on to say 29 of the drugs were originally approved for adult use. So there's 200 cancer drugs for adults, only 35 for children, but of those 35, 29 were originally designed for adults. So that speaks on point to what you're saying. It's, it's as though we've forgotten our children. We should fight for every demographic, but why are we leaving the children behind? So it really speaks to what you were just saying, The only way we're going to make change is by people like you speaking up for the children, speaking on behalf of the children. So I commend you on the work you're doing because, yes, you're a one voice, but it's not just you. It's everybody who's hearing your message, everybody who interacts with you and your family hearing the beautiful story of your daughter. You are inspiring change through that work and through her memory.
1: Thank you. And and yes, and and that statistic is is so alarming. And then, you know, it feeds onto that, that you think of an adult body and then you think of a little child's body and the drugs that we might get to work on the kids. Like, what are the long term side effects? We don't know. Part of that 4% is going towards that of what are the long term side effects for these kids that are facing toxic drugs? But it's, you know, these toxic drugs are potentially beating the cancer. We just don't know what it's going to play out on their liver or their kidneys or, you know, other bodily organs in the long term. So that, you know, doctors are also having to work on that and find funding to research that as well.
0: You know, as I was mentioning how your voice, you're amplifying your voice to help fight this and to bring awareness to it and, and to fight on behalf of the children. I think it's not just you. I think it's your entire family from what I've heard. So I learned about you by watching an episode of Jeopardy. And I heard this guy on there, and he did quite well on Jeopardy, by the way. And this guy is your brother. And he was sitting there answering most of the questions correct on the night I was watching. He did very well. And I think at some point during one of the breaks, he told the host that he was donating his winnings from Jeopardy to the foundation. And that's how I learned about you. So it sounds like this is a bit of a family affair, the fundraising and the advocacy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was my younger brother Taylor, um, who my daughter was named after him. And absolutely, I mean, I'm blessed with just a tremendous family, and we all live in different states and you know all over. But they they truly, our friends and our family and our community came together to support us, and they continue to support us. So yes, it is a family affair. (laughs) Everybody in the family is helping to raise the awareness and use their voice and their platforms. We also all went into different careers and their different career fields as well to share just awareness. And I'm
0: so grateful for my younger brother. He is, he is so smart. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, <and> so, <laughs>
0: he was impressive I'm not gonna <laughs> lie is watching it going holy smokes who yeah. is this guy I'm like not only is this guy smart but he's also a do-gooder too I'm like what else what else this guy got going on
1: yeah he is and you know he is he is a tremendous guy and I I do also say you know his his niece my daughter Taylor just he, she truly thought about everybody and everybody else and I think it it's affected all of us just so deeply i mean i remember um when we taylor and i caught a taylor and my daughter and i caught the 5:30 a.m flight to get to new york city for a follow-up appointment for one of her clinical trials and it was during the holiday season and i remember just looking around and you see people from all walks of life um international you know here in the u.s various states various languages being spoken And you just look around and it's devastating and it's the holidays. So it's just, it was hard. It was depressing. And I was just thinking, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Uh, And Taylor Ann just kind of grabbed my hand and she goes, mommy, we need to pray. And she just started praying for each of those kids. And she just said, you know, thank you, God, for letting me go home for the holidays and be with my family. And I remember tears just like streaming down my face that here this kid is. You know, she's, she's away from her friends. She's away from her family today to go to this doctor's appointment and she shouldn't have to be facing this, you know, this shouldn't have to be her reality. And here she is thinking about the other kids and hoping and praying that they get to go home um, to be with their families for the holidays. And it just, she was such a remarkable kid and it just, it really hit home and that happened to be our last holidays with her. I'm so grateful that we got to go home and spend that time together as a family and make those memories but that was the type of person she is. She would, if she got to meet a kid in the waiting room and we were doing a follow-up, she would get to know them. And then the next time we come, we'd be coming with a gift for this kid that I don't know if we we're ever going to see them again. Yeah. And that's just her. She's always constantly thinking about others. She was willing to give anything she had to give to them. And I think just seeing how that has played out, uh, some of her friends, you know, just, and her family members, my brother, just the willingness to you know, to not hold back, but just be able to give what you can give to others to make their lives better or to make their day better. It's just, she was truly inspiring. And I think because she's the heart of our foundation and the heart of our organization. And we just always remember her and think, what would Tay do? <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. that's what Tay would do. If Tay was on Jeopardy, she would have donated everything to um, causes specifically to make sure no kid has to fight her face with. she had a face. So that's kind of embedded in all of us now. Is just continue on her legacy and what would what would Tay do is kind of what we say.
0: I love it. That's great. So you've been doing this now for for a better part of a year, and it sounds like you guys are really just getting the engine running right now, just getting it humming. And you guys sound like you're onto just great things. Sharing this really inspiring story and sharing the love and the light of your daughter and helping fight cancer and raise money for cancer research through this incredible work. So what is this, where do you see the foundation going in the next several years? What are your long-term goals? What are your ultimate hopes and dreams?
1: I remember when I sat down and we first started this foundation, and I was meeting with various business people and people in nonprofits to go over the short-term goals and long-term goals. And honestly, my my first goal was to raise $7,000 this year. We have blown that out of the park. And I'm so grateful for that, but I just wanted to do 7,000 on our Tay. And I had no idea what, you know, we'd be able to raise. And I remember it was actually um, a family member that said, Rachel, that dream is too low. Set yourself higher. Think six figure, you know, like get this time, but knowing Taylor and knowing the passion that we have um, as our friends and our family, we're not going to. Anymore, <laughs> set the bar low. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna keep aiming high, and I don't necessarily have a number in my head of like what I would love to raise. I would love to raise enough to be able to make an impact in research and be able to have some facility, have enough funds to find that treatment, to find that cure, um, to give that kid one more birthday and another birthday, or that family, you know, one more memory and another memory with their kid that's my hope. That's my dream. And that we still see each other. And as you said, there's so many, you know, organizations and causes that we we all, you know, see day to day and get pulled. And that's our heartstrings and also our, you know, our financials and so many great causes. But for us, you know, raising the voice for childhood cancer warriors, their families, the doctors, the researchers, everybody on that team, because it does take a village, but being their voice so that we can do our part to make a difference and they can focus on being a kid. They can focus on being a mom, a dad, a caregiver. They can focus on being the doctor, you know, that sees the child, a researcher that's focused on the research and not having to find the funding. So the hope and dream is our foundation can honor Taylor first and foremost, spread her light, spread her kindness Encourage others to live a life of love and kindness to each other, to themselves, but then also to raise money uh, for pediatric cancer research and raise awareness and hopes that whether it's the U.S. government or big companies out there will hear our voices and see us saying this isn't okay and hopefully change their minds to donate more, to give more, to set aside more side, more funding for our kids, to move that needle even more. To give kids more chance of survivorship and a healthy survivorship at that. So that's my hope and that's my dream. Uh, I get to see it day to day of just people coming out, and you know, even our last fundraiser, families that they're friends of Taylor's, and just like thanks for that memory. Thanks for reminding us to take a step back from the busyness of life and be goofy and silly as a family and create that memory. And even that, you know, that's that just fills my cup. Um, I I might not be able to create that memory with Taylor and our family, you know, today, but if another family gets to do it and our family still is out there and we get to honor Taylor and she's still with us in spirit. And it's just, you know, we, we just are grateful for the memories we've had with her. We're grateful for who she was and that she continues just to impact so many people's lives. So it's, it's humbling as a mom and I just hope I'm making her proud. I I hope she is just beaming and, you know, able to just, her light and love is just able to continue to shine through me, through others, to really make this world just a better place for everybody, but especially our kids.
0: It's incredibly inspiring what you're doing. How can our listeners support you? How can we help further the mission?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, we have a website, so it's tayloramfoundation.org, T-A-Y-L-O-R-A-N-N-E, foundation.org. We do have a little bit of a footprint on social media. We're building that up. Uh, the website's kind of our main go-to. That is a place to see more statistics on childhood cancer, to check out more of our story, to see we will be posting like where the money goes um, when we make that decision, see our upcoming events. Uh, we have a store and um, we're gonna hopefully be putting more stuff out there. That's that's where we'd start. Every donation is just so meaningful. Uh, after my brother was on Jeopardy, it was again that night. My jaw just dropped seeing our website and just like notification after notification after notification of donations or people checking out the website. I mean, from three dollars and fifty cents all the way up to ten thousand dollars. Wow! It's it. I mean, I still like gives me chills of just like, wow. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's incredible. And that was one TV show and you know, just 30 minutes, right? And of that, it was like, what, 30 seconds that my brother got to answer those questions. And I just see, wow, you know, what if we could use, I I say an NFL game, what if one team goes out there and raises awareness, like how many millions of people will be impacted and see that? And, you know, again, whether it's our foundation or another, um, you know, just raising the awareness that is out there. I can speak for our foundation. I know our money is not going to anybody on the foundation, on the board. Like it is going back to the research. We just save enough to make sure our website's up and running and able to do the day-to-day things, but that's it. As far as what we're holding back, otherwise it's, it's going out there. It's going right back into the field to give the researchers, give the doctors a chance to find that treatment, to find that cure. So we would love again, you know, just spreading Taylor's story, her light, her, our mission, as a Taylor Ann Foundation, um, raising awareness, even locally. I mean, reaching out if you have time to a local pediatric oncology unit and saying, hey, how can we help? You know, what can we do? Again, whether it's through our foundation or not, at the end of the day, we just want the kids, we want the kids to find get cures, get a chance at a cure. But for our foundation, we appreciate any donation, big or small. And, you know, we'll tell you that it, it's going right back into the field. So we appreciate it and feel free to reach out. Uh, again, we are new, uh, I'm learning a lot. This is not my background of website design or anything like that, but we're learning.
0: Um, none of that matters. (laughs) None of that matters.
1: Yeah. So it's, you know, give us grace too, as we, as we are, you know, working our way through this, but, um, yeah, just, just spreading the word, um, more than anything in the light of Taylor is kind of what we'd ask.
0: Before we wrap up here this evening, do you have a parting message you'd like to share with the Difference Makers community?
1: Uh, I would say, first, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time out to learn more about pediatric cancer and what is going on. Uh, I know most of what we went over today is just what's happening in the U.S., and the U.S. is one of the best countries for treatments. So globally, it's just even more can be done and needs to be done. So Just thank you for listening and wherever you are listening, I just encourage you to do what you can to continue to raise awareness, to fight for those little warriors that are fighting for their lives right now or fighting just to be a kid, to do your part in what you can, to just keep honoring them, honoring those that fought hard but lost the battle and, you know, all that they've done to continue to just inspire others to just never give up the fight our kids, our kids are worth it. Our kids deserve to have a childhood. Our kids deserve to reach adulthood. We could do more for them and they truly deserve it in their family. So just thank you for listening and thank you for anything that you do to help our cause.
0: Well, this is Difference Makers and you, Rachel, are a real world Difference Maker. Thank you for sharing Taylor Ann's story with our community and thank you for making a difference through your innovative and inspiring charity work.
1: Thank you. Thanks
0: for having us. On behalf of Difference Makers Global Community, I want to thank you for listening. And if you'd like to learn more about today's guest, visit differencemakers.org. There you'll find a dedicated page for each of our Difference Makers and a link to their charity's website, where you can learn more about their inspiring work and support the mission. And for our readers out there, I have two books that I wrote that I'd love for you to check out. Crossing America for a Cure, and Running the Coast for a Cure. These books chronicle charity adventures I did in honor of my niece, Jenna, who was born with a rare neurological disorder called Sturge-Weber syndrome. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com, and all profits from book sales are donated to Sturge-Weber Research. Thanks again for listening, and remember, in each of us is the power to make a difference.